Welcome to the Commune Podcast. Uh, today, we are we are here to discuss the Kirby series in light of ha- having us all played Kirby in the Forgotten Land for the Nintendo Switch. For the couple of, next couple or so podcasts, we are going to be discussing Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Uh, but before we do that, I'd like to talk about Kirby as a series and get a cursory view over uh, how we all feel about Kirby as a series and a character. Uh... Joining me today, we have Golem. Hello, that's me. Uh, Adrian. Hey. And yourself. What's up? So, to begin, I'd like to ask everyone just a very simple question. Uh, I guess I'll have Adrian go first. Mm-hmm. Adrian, who is Kirby? Who is Kirby? <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh my god, deep existential question. Uh, if if the question's more like like what are exactly are the Kirby games? Um, action platformer is probably the best way to categorize them, with the most uh, unique, distinctive mechanic being Kirby's ability to suck things up, inhale them, and in pretty much every other game except the first one to take their powers. Effectively, Kirby's mechanic is also how he acquires his power-ups. His float ability is uh, another one that sets him apart from other platformers where he has is far more generous on the platforming side. Alright. Uh, Golem, who is Kirby? Kirby is a... Uh, I, I think he's described as a warrior... But um, he really kind of acts very naive. He's maybe like a, a pink bubblegum baby. Um, he has an impeccable ability to eat things. Um, even in the latter games, is he able to eat things bigger than himself, which typically he has not been able to. Um, and most of the time, he can copy um, the skills of whatever he eats. Okay. Uh, and that's who Kirby is. If we're going in that direction, I want to say uh, Kirby is a god of death. There we go. All right. Okay. So Kirby is also a Grim Reaper now. <laughs> All right. And yourself, who is Kirby? Kirby is a fun, malleable, pink, charming uh, character, cartoon character, who uh, is used as a mascot for, I guess, uh, Hal's games, Hal Laboratory, although uh, those games are always published by Nintendo. And uh, he's shown up in a, a pretty wide range of games, but I think the sort of uh, unifying aspect of who Kirby is is that he's a, a character that anyone can relate to and take control of and uh, that is simple to approach or, or, or provides a simple approach. All right. I think these are all great answers. Uh, what do we think of each other's answers? I liked the word malleable in yourself's answer because... Yeah, I, I thought about that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kirby is both squishy and able to fit in many genres. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, I, I oh. want to know why he's a god of death. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he, can, he destroys everything. Yeah, he's right. Destructive. Destroyer of worlds. He can defeat any godlike being that comes and accumulates ultimate power. They still don't stand a chance to get Kirby. Kirby will fuck them up. 
I wanted yeah, to say that I can eat things that are bigger than myself. It just takes a while, you know. <laughs> Well, when you got on Kirby's level of doing it more instantly, I think we'll start calling you a god of death. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think that the best characteristic of Kirby is that he is malleable. He um, he can fit in, into any genre. I think that the fact that he has the ability to literally copy whatever he eats is uh, just indicative of that in a very strong way. So I think to tie it all together... Kirby really is just what you make of him and what he makes of his uh, environment. Alright, so uh, I guess now we can get into what kind of Kirby games we've played. So, uh, Golem, what Kirby games have you played? Uh, most of the mainline ones up to Kirby 64. Mm. Mainline. Yourself, would you want to add something? Oh, sorry, I shouldn't interrupt because I'm not the host. <laughs> no, sorry. <it's> <laughs> uh, sorry. I've, I've been I, used to being rude through all these, but um. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, I, I didn't. I, I didn't ask if you wanted to add anything before I moved on to the next um, segment. No, no, I, I was just going to say the main line of Kirby games is already a questionable term. <laughs> sure, but I think. Uh, hmm. Most people would understand that as the games where there's a jump button and you walk using a D-pad and Kirby has a swallow ability. So the side-scrolling platformers. Yeah. So technically there is actually a, a definition for what constitutes as mainline in, a, in an official capacity. Yeah. Uh, like if you go on the Kirby website in Japanese, they will show you a list of what Count as a mainline, and yeah, it is just the platforming game for Kirby Ken and Hale and, and copy abilities, except for the first game. In that regard, the remix count as um, as uh, mainline titles as well. They're not spin-offs. Okay, so Nightmare and Dreamland and whatever the Super Star Ultra? Right. Those are also okay. mainline. So, so Golem, have you played any of the spin-off games? Uh, Canvas Curse, I think, is... Oh, and Tilt... Well, no, just Canvas yeah, Curse. Yeah, Canvas... Yeah. <laughs> Canvas Curse is interesting because it's like... It's it's most like the mainline games. Or, or at least one of the most like the mainline games out of all the spin-offs because it's also a platformer, even if you do control Kirby, you know... Uh, an, an unorthodox way he still interacts with enemies defeats them and takes their powers if they have one yeah i mean i'm not invested in kirby as a, a character but um you know i just want more ds platformers i played canvas curse for the same reason i played um prince of persia on ds oh all right what what when you mean like touchscreen based platformers yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, touchscreen-based uh, action games are pretty cool on the DS. Um, all right. Yourself, which Kirby games have you played? I've tried to play as many as possible, um, just because Kirby is like a... Well, first of all, as a character I liked growing up. I remember playing Superstar on 
and Superstar on the Super Nintendo and Adventure on the Nintendo. And I remember playing Dreamland on the Game Boy. Uh, and um, they were all like, I just really liked the idea of all the different abilities that Kirby could copy. Like that was just as a kid, that was such an appealing idea of being able to constantly switch powers. For some reason, that just seemed so much cooler than the handful of power-ups that you get in Mario. Um, and so then, like, as an adult, like, in being interested in the history of Nintendo games and the, the history of platformers, I have caught up on the ones I missed out on, like Dreamland 3. Uh, so I guess I've played Dreamland, Dreamland 2, Dreamland 3, Adventure Superstar, Return to Dreamland, uh, 64, uh, Robobots... Uh, I've recently been playing some Air Ride and then Forgotten Land. I miss the DS uh, and Wii U games as well as uh, Triple Deluxe. And Star Allies, mm. right? Oh, yeah, that's right. I skipped Star Allies because I was just kind of... I wanted them to make a different type of Kirby game at that point instead of going back to the Superstar style, which is what Return to Dreamland. Uh, Triple Deluxe and Robobot all fit into. Oh, and I played Squeak Squad and Amazing Mirror on Game Boy Advance. Alright. And Adrian, um, what Kirby games have you played in? I guess you could also do what yourself did and describe your journey through the series. Oh, okay. So, my first Kirby game was actually Kirby 64. Um, I think I'm probably on the younger side of the the commune members here, so my first console wasn't even a Super Nintendo, it was actually Nintendo 64. So, Kirby 64... Hey, <laughs> my first console was a Nintendo, not a Super Nintendo. Oh, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> so, uh, so, Kirby 64, um, my interaction with Kirby's actually been fairly sparse, so after 64, I think later on, I think I got Superstar, I got Superstar Ultra for the DS, um, and then after that, uh, again, my, my Kirby games were never ones that I actively sought after. There was just always other games, even other Nintendo games that I would seek out before Kirby. So that's why they've kind of, that's, that's why it's, it's so sparse. So a lot of the Kirby games that I played are actually relatively recently. So it was Kirby's Dreamland for Game Boy that I played within like the last year or two years. Um, but I actually really enjoyed it even though it was Kirby with none of the copy abilities that he's known for, I thought that was a surprising game. Not only that, but also surprisingly more challenging, because Kirby has a reputation of being like a game for beginners, or at least there's been recorded interviews of Kirby being a game for beginners, but um, even Dreamland showed to be a more more interesting gameplay-wise than I was expecting. And even the EX mode was actually a lot harder than I was expecting up until me, up until I would even say it gets bullshit hard in some places. <laughs> Kirby's Adventure, I actually streamed it here for the rest of the commune members. Kirby's Adventure was another one that I played. The abilities were not at the same complexity of Superstar Ultra that I played before, but it was still interesting. It was still, it was still neat seeing what they could do with the powers, even though they only had, they only had one mechanic that you could do with them. Um, as far as the Kirby spin-offs, I did play Epic Yarn on the Wii. I did play Mass Attack on the DS. And 
I feel like there's another one. Oh yeah, Blowout Blast, which was how I knew there was going to be a 3D Kirby. It was just a matter of time. Yeah, I forgot about Epic Yarn, but I not only played that, but really liked that. That was, you know, I guess it's offensive to say it's my favorite Kirby game, but it's kind of my favorite Kirby game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's also not a mainline one, right? Even though it's a platformer? Oh yeah, it is also considered a spin-off. Yeah. uh, Kind of like uh, Canvas Curse, and it's a a platformer, but it's so unorthodox that it doesn't fit in with... uh, Mm Mm-hmm. As far as like other the the Kirby content, you'll you'll notice that um, the majority of the Game Boy ones, the majority of the Super Nintendo ones, and the majority and Game Boy Advance, like and the entire 3D, basically all the other 2.5D Kirby games, uh, I have except for Kirby 64, I haven't even I haven't even touched. But I'd like to get around okay. to them. Uh. Can I make a comment on the beginner, Kirby is for beginners thing? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. So, something... Well, first of all, what was the interview that you mentioned, Adrian, that that comes from? I believe it is an interview from from Masahiro Sakurai, who is also the creator of Super Smash Brothers, that gets into the details of what he wanted Kirby to be with the first mm-hmm. Kirby game. Now, the exact interview with, and in reference to which specific game, I don't even remember if it was an Iwata Ask or not, or one of those you know YouTube documentaries, the history of Kirby kind of thingies that sometimes mess up details like that. Okay. Yeah, because I think that's... I think part of what makes that interesting to me... First of all, I think a lot of people agree on that just without having heard it, just playing the games. But um, Game Boy at the time was definitely a beginner gaming system i think like that was that i think got a lot of people into games that didn't necessarily have a console or play them i've heard a lot of stories of people getting into games through game boy um and well it, and also it sold way better than uh, any of the home consoles also it was at the time the best selling platform um and Partly because of that, but also I think partly just because of the hardware capabilities of the Game Boy. I think a lot of Game Boy games are easy or are like very accessible. Um, and so when you play Kirby Dreamland on Game Boy compared to, say, Super Mario Land or Super Mario Land 2 um, or the Mega Man games on there, for instance, I think those are also easier versions of platformers. And that Kirby's Dreamland just fits in as a Game Boy game. Like, it, it's not necessarily more accessible than other Game Boy games. Mm-hmm. That's just what's on the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason I, I, like, make that distinction, other than just the interesting history of it, is that I think Kirby's Adventure and Kirby Superstar and Kirby Dreamland 3, the NES and SNES games, I don't think those are that easy. Um they are definitely kind of complicated and convoluted in some ways. Mm-hmm. Actually, and they have some puzzles that are uh, sometimes hard to solve mm-hmm. that, that I think make the games like 
yeah, just they are, I think, the equivalent uh, for Super Nintendo, like Superstar is like kind of what you would expect. And for NES, Adventure is kind of what you would expect for difficulty. And I think it's only later when sort of the gamers that grew up with that stuff got older and started to expect harder games and more uh, like uh, technical inputs and things like that. I think that's when it was like, okay, Kirby's not necessarily growing up with everything else. Kirby's kind of staying in that original mode uh, of NES and Game Boy platformers, which I think is interesting because it sort of left the timeline and did its own thing. Yeah. No, I would feature similar... um or at least similar questioning, especially if, even if it came from the, the creator. Like, part of it, there are some aspects of Kirby's design that I can't understand why they say, oh, it's a platform for beginners, because, well, Kirby literally, as his base a base moveset, can, you know, defy gravity and, like, float over whatever platforms he needs to. But as you, I'm pretty sure Golem and yourself saw watch me play Dreamland. Like they put on a lot of things because Kirby on the Game Boy is not the screen's not that tall, so they do fairly well putting things in the air so that you can't just float over everything. So, you know, yeah, I that's a good point because Kirby being able to fly in a platformer, like you said, is like oh that's a win button basically. You know, you could just fly over everything, but they don't actually always let you do that. Yeah. Like the Brato birds are the ones you're most things you're most frequently going to see in the air. Those uh exploding coconuts that are like always at the top of the screen. You can't just like <laughs> flow past them or sometimes even float under them if, you, if you're too high up. So they very consciously designed that game so that no, you could not just fly over everything. So that's why I would still even question the beginner aspect. And even if it's like not the most tightest reaction windows you're having to deal with, um. You know, that's still more than I can say for some, some other games. I don't know. I think perhaps Kirby 64 even is probably, well, I don't know. I just remember that game being, when I started replaying it, it was just like, wow, it's a lot slower than I remembered. That's the one, because I kind of was having a bit of this conversation with Shouty um, before this recording. Uh, that 64 seems to me like the one where, okay, now it's not dumbed down, but like it hasn't made the jump to a higher level of complexity the same way that Mario has necessarily. Like Mario 64 is a lot more to take in than Kirby 64. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I still, I still love that game. That game has a special place in my heart. Especially the the fact that you were like mixing power, so that's that's one hell of a Kirby game to start with. Yeah, that goes right to what I was saying, like as a kid about the appeal of the abilities. Just like reading in Nintendo Power, like these charts of all the ability mixtures you can do. I was like, oh my god, Kirby can turn into a fridge. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kirby can yes. become fireworks. Yeah. Yeah, oh, so that's a great back, one. <laughs> so going back to the um, uh, the Kirby's hover ability, it's interesting you bring up Kirby sixty four because that's the first game that actually puts a, a, a time a, a stamina meter on Kirby's hovering time. So 
you can't use it all the time. In fact, there are sections where it almost becomes a point of no return because of your limited hovering ability. And so I think it's interesting because I, I think I read in an interview, it was probably also a Sakurai interview, that uh, he said that the hovering ability was put in there not just so you can, you know, press the win button and fly over everything. It's so you can fly out of um, bottomless pits before you fall in and die. So by putting a, a stamina meter on your hovering, you're you're resigned to just using it uh, as uh, uh, supposedly intended, as Sakurai might have said. You're just supposed to get yourself out of a pit before you die. Ah, interesting. That that's um, reminiscent. Like you can definitely tell that that's there in in the way that games are designed, and all the way up to Forgotten Land. I think that's super true and super relevant. Uh, but I think it's interesting to connect that to Smash Brothers and the way that like recovery in Smash Brothers is a big part of how that game is played. Like the um, a character has a limited amount of jumps and then like different special moves that may uh, raise their height or help them move through the air and survival in smash brothers. A lot of times comes down to how well you can manage that aerial recovery. So Kirby fits in perfectly in smash bros because it's like, uh, he's a character that's designed with that hovering recovery idea. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a Sakurai game, so and like it's a platform fighter. When when the only platform that Sakurai has made, it, it's his influence from Kirby is going to be very prominent. Yeah, especially with his whole like deconstruct reconstruct philosophy that he applies. Yeah, I think Kirby's easy from from the get go, but I don't have anything to back it, so. <laughs> well, what about relative to like other games? Like, is Kirby just really the baby platformer compared to like Mario and Mega Man? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if um, you compare Kirby's Adventure to uh, Super Mario Brothers three, I feel like those are contemporaries, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I think he's also contemporary with Super Mario World, uh, just because they came out. I think Adventure even came out after World. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, World yeah, definitely. Super Mario Brothers Three is like the hardest Super Mario Brothers. That's the peak of difficulty in that series. Okay. <laughs> if you compare Kirby's Adventure to Super Mario World, even then, Kirby's Adventure saves after every level. Like, there's no need for uh, routing Lines. in Kirby's Adventure. Yeah, okay. It's, that's forgivingness, though, more so than, like... Because, yeah, that's true. That is an aspect of difficulty, the, that it's forgiving. And, and I think the hit points are also part of what makes it forgiving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> But if you really want to play the ga the whole game with the sword ability, then it can be a dick because you lose that and it's like, ah, I gotta go find another sword enemy. How is that any different from just wanting to play through Mario World with Fire Mario? 
Well, there's a lot because there's a fire flower at like any question mark block. If, oh, as long okay. as you have a mushroom already. Oh, you're saying that that's what makes Kirby harder because it has a more self-imposed challenge. Uh, it has more yeah. potential for self-imposed challenges. Yes, I, I think that's part of it that like I play Kirby or have historically played Kirby in a way like I want to try every power and then I have favorite powers that I want to use. And so like maintaining your copy ability or finding the right copy ability or whatever is not a necessary challenge to completing the game, but it does put a higher ceiling on the, uh, the challenges that you can impose. Yeah, while Mario World only has, like, secret special levels that you have to unlock, that's the highest ceiling in terms of challenge. You have to look for what's yeah. in the game and not what you can do with it. Yeah, I would still say, like, something like Tubular is harder than all of the extra mode in Kirby's Adventure. And the boss rush? Uh, oh, you know what? I don't... I forgot that game had a boss rush, so... <laughs> It's the first one. I mean, that's something that's echoed throughout the entire series for Kirby. Like, oh, you, it's hard because at the end you have a bunch of bosses to fight, and you can do it all without one without an ability or using any healing items. And there you go. There's your challenge in a Kirby game. It's not for babies anymore. I yeah. I think that if you had. See, here's the thing is that Kirby is designed with the understanding that the player has hit points. So it's not always, as Adrian sort of alluded to, it's not always the super finest tuned challenges because there's always a hit point you can use to absorb things. But I think that if you had a one hit point Kirby game where you get one extra hit point for a copy ability and then you lose the extra hit point when you lose the copy ability I don't know I feel like that would be close to the difficulty of the harder like you're saying Super Mario World levels so you're saying that even at its hardest Kirby is still not that difficult well I'm saying that Kirby absorbs some of the difficulty with the forgivingness of the hit point system that like Mario wouldn't be as hard if you had six hit points or ten hit points all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We have a, a podcast on Master of Darkness where I think it's easy, um, but also you get a health item, item every two seconds. This just reminds you of how in Doom you, all, you also get like a bunch of health. <laughs> yeah, in, I was thinking Doom, about... <laughs> you're 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 expected to get you're expected to take damage when you're playing Doom. That's why there right. are medipacks packs all over the place. Yeah, Cause... I was thinking about the comparison between Doom and Final Doom, where like in Final Doom they really cut back on giving you health all the time, and so you oh. can't just take damage. <laughs> Even though I think taking damage in a game like Doom is more appropriate because your back might be turned to some something you might not expect. No, I know. I, I agree. I'm, that's not a strength of Final Doom, that they're like, oh, now you have to play perfectly. Like, that's rough. 
Yeah. Yeah, Adrian's back. Oh, okay. I guess I'll throw in that uh, one of the other things about Kirby's adventure, you know, before I forget, is the fact that you do basically lose your copy ability from just one hit, and the amount that that star and the the speed that that star bounces before you lose it is actually really fast. Yeah, it was surprisingly fast. That's something that I think that they got more. They also got more forgiving about over the games. Sort of like how I was talking about how the games feel like they got more consciously simplified over the years. Like once you get to Return to Dreamland. When you lose your copy, first of all, it takes multiple hits to lose your copy ability in that one. And then the star bounces around forever. Like, you almost may as well not lose the copy ability when you get hit in that one. And uh, I think Squeak Squad has, like, you can store copy abilities, sort of like in Super Mario World, how you have a one buffered power up. Uh, so they've very in um in 64 how does losing your copy ability work i don't remember I think it does take multiple hits like in return to dreamland and because of how uh copy ability are, are like very very tangible like you can take them out of kirby's mouth oh yeah <laughs> and like combine them with other copy abilities um it's it's not that hard to lose them I mean, they can be lost, but they're definitely a lot more forgiving than the the games where the stars just bounce around. Yeah. Actually, I don't think that stars even the, the ability stars actually bounce around in uh, Kirby sixty four. They just plop on the ground, kind of like in Forgotten Land. I don't remember hmm. either. I I recall in Superstar Ultra, the star bounces around, but it like acknowledges where the screen is, so it'll rebound off of the edge of the camera. Whereas in Kirby's Adventure, if there's no if there's no wall on the way, it's gonna bounce off screen, and that's it. You just lost it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. On another hand, there is an interesting effect where that actually does kind of get you to switch powers more frequently, um, and you know, kind of plays into that aspect of uh, treating the power up as a power up. And when you're comparing like Adventure and sixty four or um, some of the other ones, Adventure has and Superstar to a certain amount has like rare copy abilities like that you don't see very often in the game, like suplex. Uh, and so when I was talking about like, Oh, trying to hold on to a particular copy ability. It's like, if you lose that one, it's a long road to get that back. Whereas if you lose Yoshi, it's in Mario, it's like, I just, I'm going to go to stage one and, or stage two and get that Yoshi egg that's right at the beginning and then exit out of the level. <laughs> that is funny because there's a, well, I, I don't know if we're going to get to talking to the specifics of Forgotten Land, but there is uh, something a bit like that in Forgotten Land. Well, every Kirby game has uh, like a room of sorts yeah. that provides you with every single copy ability, if you can unlock it at least. I was, yeah, I was about to say, because in Kirby's Adventure, you had to, I believe, unlock those rooms, and then they would only have, like, three powers, so it could still, like, not be the one you need, or the oh, one you oh, want. Oh, yeah, the museums, which are kind of useless in hindsight. It's, they're not great. Like, in Superstar, they really gave you a plethora of um, copy abilities in, in certain uh, 
games. Like in Dynablade, you can unlock what is essentially the equivalent to the top secret area of Super Mario World in Kirby. Hmm. Right. Right, but in Adventure, the rooms are like, here's a room where you get stone or laser. And it's like, yeah. okay, I see those that, all that, the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the museums are pretty useless. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, arenas have the good ones. Oh, yeah. Like, when you, in Adventure, yeah, yeah. when you fight the monsters in there. Yeah, those do give good ones. Like, you can get hammer from bonkers. Oh, and throw from the rolling turtle. All right. But still that goes to, you know, you got to beat the boss to get that power up. Whereas in Mario, it's like, just hit the box and you got a free mm-hmm. power up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. I guess I'll quickly go over what I've played, which is basically every game. I played a, a lot of the spinoffs, not all of them. Personally, I find the spinoffs to be too difficult uh, to really be called Kirby spinoffs, and that kind of puts me off from them. I played the platforming spinoffs though, and I tried to beat them to completion. But wait, yeah. So you think the platforming spinoffs are also too difficult? Yes, I do. Um, I think that I guess Canvas Curse might be the easiest in terms of just being intuitive and doing that to completion. While Epic Yarn might seem very easy from the get-go, but it gets the difficulty yeah. ramps up pretty hard when you want to get everything. Yeah, Epic Yarn is awesome. Yeah. It and really, it fakes you out with the whole, oh, you can never die thing, and it's like, yeah, you better not ever get friggin' hit if you want to <laughs> get the medals. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it gives you that same experience of, like, like Sonic getting hit and losing all your rings. It's like, oh, no, and your heart just sinks. <laughs> yeah. Because Kirby makes getting back the stuff you drop more easy, so... As long as you're not over a bottomless pit, uh, you should be able to get your stuff back quickly. And Kirby Mass Attack is probably the hardest touchscreen game I've ever played. Oh, really? It is just so ridiculously difficult, especially if you want everything. <laughs> like, it's it's just... It's, it's like Pikmin, but a side-scroller. So, micromanaging every single Kirby and trying to get not to not die can be pretty difficult. Yeah, that sounded like a nightmare. That's why, I like... It sounded cool, but I noped out of it because I knew it would be too hard. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds a lot better than the actual Pikmin side-scroller they made. Just a lot of, like, wrist flicking to throw Kirbys. Yeah, that that too. The control scheme is pretty uh, monotonous. But I still think it's pretty good. It's a a decent challenge. Those are definitely, I mean... Touchscreen games, as I already said, are just interesting in and of themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, wait, and let me ask you a question about the Kirby games that you've played, being that it's just about all of them. So, I mentioned that uh, Return to Dreamland, uh, Triple Deluxe, Robobot, and Star Allies, those are all in the same engine and are all fairly similar games. Unless you disagree, which is like, do you think it's worth having four games in that model? Hmm. I mean, 
I think that uh, from the developer side of things, they were really trying to uh, innovate with such a limited mindset that they had about Kirby at the time because they didn't want to make the jump to 3D just yet. So I guess for them, for their sake, yeah, I think it was necessary. Uh, and I think that most of those games are pretty solid. So, yeah, like, I guess if you don't like Star Allies, it's still three out of four solid titles. Hmm. Do you not like Star Allies? I don't dislike it, but... Uh, Star Allies uh, is probably it, the one that most... Kirby fans would probably experience some sort of burnout of just like oh another <laughs> you know another 2D platformer Kirby. <laughs> well yeah, it's that, not, I mean it, it's not just that burnout, it's that playing through the game they give you so many options. Uh it has, it has the most copy abilities, like basic copy abilities out of any other Kirby game. Mm-hmm. Especially if you count all the DLC characters in. Oh wow. So, well, I guess I, I also want to clarify what I meant by that is like, I mean that more like the business marketing perspective, because there are plenty of games where sometimes it's just like they're released at like the wrong time. Where, for example, like, like I greatly enjoyed New Super Mario Brothers Wii, um, but probably if you probably wasn't the smartest thing that they released a, a New Super Mario Brothers 2 and U in like the same year. Or within one year apart from each other, so that's probably why they have like dramatically lower sales compared to the Wii and DS one, which did gangbusters. It also helps that the DS and Wii are more successful con- uh, consoles than their successors. There is that too, but, but it's yeah. a it's a factor of like twenty to thirty. But yeah, Star Allies just does nothing but give you like mechanics to play around with instead of like actual gameplay content. Like that's why the one uh, deal, the one content update that they give us where you actually do get new levels is like some of the best 2d Kirby ever. So star rallies in that sense is really good, but I just wish it came sooner than later uh, amid all of the mechanical content updates and not the uh, levels that we could have been playing. I guess I could also just say that it's it's one of those things where, like, Star Allies, like, even now, I mean, I technically own the game, I just haven't played it yet because I wanted to play it with my niece, is that you look at it compared to the other, since uh, yourself's question was about, like, if, if four 2.5D Kirby games was enough, and you can easily explain the first Return to Dreamland one being that it's the first that gets that benefit, this second, actually, Triple Deluxe, even that one I'm struggling with, because that one is just, like, it's Kirby, but 3D. <laughs> but, like, mm-hmm. 2.5D in 3D, like, stereoscopic 3D. Robobot is the one that actually is just, like, whoa, that's a neat hook of just, like, uh, Me- Kirby and Mechas. <laughs> and, then st- and Robobot is great, and it uses the stereo... See, I haven't played Triple Deluxe, but Robobot uses the stereoscopic 3D very well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's probably from a lot of the things they learned in Triple Deluxe, but then that's when you get to Star Allies. It's like, okay, this is the fourth one. What ideas are they bringing, and what kind of gameplay challenges could they bring next that hasn't been done in the last three games, considering that it's already, you know, a lot of that, that base framework is already so similar. It's kind of like where I'm looking at, like, some of the older Kirby games. It's just like, I'm, well, I am curious, but, but like, I don't know if I'll get a good answer. It's like, 
what are the things that are like in terms of gameplay and level design are they going to actually be doing different that makes amazing mirror like distinct from all the other kirby games whoa that was a bad pick though it was a bad pick because because amazing mirror is the metroidvania kirby oh really wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay. it is it is an interconnected world and you control four kirby it's been a really long time since no, i you played don't control it four kirby's it's four it, you have four players basically uh, up to four oh, human wait. players i do if, remember if that you yeah you're right that was a bad pick I guess Squeak Squad, because it's like the yeah, only thing about yes. Squeak Squad is like who the villains are, but it's just like, all right, gameplay wise though, what do you? I mean, what's... it has Squeak Squad has the like yourself said the the reserve item mechanic, but that is still pretty basic as far as uh, a a, a, a one time gimmick can go. Yeah, that's for a certain game. That's like we added yeah. a subsystem into the power ups of the game. It's like okay, but yeah, but if I'm playing these levels, what makes these levels like? That's where that's like the kind of the thing that gets hard about like sequels to action games where unless you are more appreciative of those minor details and I mean sometimes minor details of like what makes them what makes these actually different gameplay ideas that it can probably like the more casual fan can easily miss over or gloss over. Well, I think that Squeak Squad is an important turning point in the series because you know, Amazing Mirror kind of as well, but uh, that has its own – that has weirder gimmicks, whereas Squeak Squad is the one to me where it's like we're just – we're going to go back to Superstar and that system with copy abilities, a lot of similar copy abilities to what that game had and Superstar and Adventure. We're going to lock in a formula of like there's three collectibles per level, like there's uh, – we're sticking with the world structure from adventure. And that one to me is actually very similar to return to dreamland and the two and a half D ones that followed, uh, which also have similar like structure to the gameplay. Yeah. This is where, and <laughs> like historically, that's also the point or uh, after Kirby 64 is the point where, Sorry, after Air Ride, Shouty, is the point where Sakurai leaves Hal? Yeah, he mm-hmm. he retires from Hal. Right, so after uh, Air Ride, and, and Sakurai didn't work on Amazing Mirror, right? Uh, oh. He was a consultant on Amazing Mirror, so not okay. really. So Squeak Squad is like the first post-Sakurai Kirby, and... I think you could feel that in the series because that's when they start having a more fixed idea of what Kirby is versus Sakurai, who I think was someone who wanted to do more novel things all the time. Yeah, that's what it seems, at least. All right, I think we're ready to move on now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the next question I have for all of you is, Taking what you've played into consideration, what is your ideal Kirby game? Uh, Golem? Um, my ideal Kirby game... I'm having a hard time not saying Forgotten Land. I think that it it's either Kirby's Dreamland, where like there's no copy abilities, it's just about the second blow, or, um, you know, if the... 
gimmick of Kirby is, hey, look at all these different abilities you have for fighting enemies, then the game really needs to center on fighting enemies, and games that are about fighting enemies don't have contact damage, and they have a lot more interesting back-and-forth interplay, like a brawler or a fighting game. Or, if you're going to have contact damage, then Kirby doesn't get a million different abilities for fighting enemies. He gets a million different abilities for jumping, which would be more like Kirby's Dream Land 3, um, where each partner has like a, a different um, take on how to jump. Um, so that's uh, three different answers for my perfect Kirby game. <laughs> well, so does that mean that Dreamland? two slash three are your favorite ones i think prior to forgotten land uh dreamland and dreamland three would be my favorites but two um i didn't like the the buddies so much i don't think they're as well fleshed out in that one Hmm. so i guess you don't really have to cite uh, a specific game like, I'm not asking what your favorite game is. I'm asking what is your idealized version of a Kirby game is. So, like, if you could pick and choose elements from across the games you played, what would it be? Yeah, so I guess what I meant is um, my favorite Kirby game would take an existing one and take out elements. So, like, either you take out the copy abilities or you take <laughs> out the contact damage. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be my ideal well, Kirby game. Uh, do the like Team Kirby Clash or Kirby the Fighters or whatever? Do those ones have contact damage? Uh, yeah, I think the Clash games do, where you're fighting or you're all fighting together a giant monster. Yeah, I think they do have contact damage. Oh, okay. And like the few boss levels that are in um. The, the fighters games I do think they also have contact damage so yourself what are your what is your um ideal Kirby game um I don't know if this answer counts but uh I like 3d games more than 2d games just kind of flat out um except in certain <laughs> except for shooting games uh so, to me, the ideal Kirby game would be a real 3D Kirby game. Uh, one with a 3D camera with, uh, like, 3D polygonal environments um, in the style of Mario 64, Super Mario 64, Super Mario Galaxy, Sonic Adventure, uh, like actual uh, 3D geometry, not just uh, tile-based geometry. Um so like that um that i think would be the basis of uh a interesting kirby game because i think that the kirby you know when you talk about how to push the series forward or, or whether it's gotten stale or whatever i think that there's a ton of potential there for um a flying character in a 3d environment uh because 3D platformers are really a lot more about verticality uh, or can be a lot more about verticality than uh, 2D ones. And so I think Kirby's float ability 
whether or not uh, you would use a stamina meter, how you would implement that would be interesting to see in 3D. I think I definitely agree with Golem that uh, powers that modify Kirby's movement tend to be more interesting than powers that are um, like combo-based uh, fighting stuff, although some of those do modify Kirby's movement as well. Like, for instance, the uh, sword ability where you can have uh, do a dashing strike, uh, which you could do in Forgotten Land if you crouch and uh, slide, you get a dashing strike with a sword. Or uh, in the Return to Dreamland era games, uh, there's a dashing strike. Um, the wing ability is another one that is one of my favorites from the series history that changes the way that Kirby flies uh, to be more like uh, how Meta Knight controls in some of the games. Uh, the uh, flame or, or fireball or burn ability that does sort of like an air dash uh, is another one that's movement heavy. Stone is something that has movement consequences. Oh. So like I would, yeah. Can I interrupt? Sure. Um, does Jet ever come back? Jet is a great power. Uh, I do think that probably shows up in some of the handheld games. Shadow it's only maybe. in Planet Robobot after its official appearance in Superstar. Okay. Um, so, like, the animal buddies, I, I don't know, for some reason they never click with me, so they definitely would not be in my ideal Kirby game. But, like, I would pick and choose from powers that have more uh, mobile abilities and consequences. Because input commands, like the um, the way that Superstar-style copy abilities use, where, like, you have to press a direction and a button at the same time, that stuff doesn't tend to work quite as well in 3D. Because you're already doing more complicated inputs with the stick, and because up and down aren't neutral directions like they are in a 2D in a 2D game. Uh, so like I, I wouldn't really go with that, but I would want something that was like a uh, you know a, a continuous world 3D camera uh, copyability based um, 3D platformer. Yeah, that sounds like you're living in a dream in that at that point. <laughs> I know. Uh, that's that's unfortunately not the ga- the direction that games have gone in. <laughs> yeah. All right, Adrian. What's your ideal cup uh, Kirby game? Well, I guess. Or if it's if it's anything like the ones that been have been exemplified, is there anything you can add to that? Uh, as far as 2D, um, probably Kirby inheriting more from Smash Brothers. That's uh, kind of what I would like. Because I like the idea of, like, if you've ever played Smash Run, that is a little bit of what that sort of action, or more like the platformer brawler looks like to me, of just put it, well, putting that in a single-player context. The thing is, a lot of Kirby's enemies can't take that much of a beating, um, so they'll often die in just one hit. Uh, they do let you combo them, but if you've ever played a, a lot of Kirby games, if you pick up Sword, you only need one slash to kill the bastard. You don't need to do the full combo. And some of that even holds true in uh, Forgotten Land. It's like, yes, I can do the whole combo, but I don't actually need to. Um, except for some of the, 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 the more jumbo-sized enemies. 
for them you actually do need to. Um, that's kind of for 2D. That's kind of where I would see something uh, more interesting. And I guess even the limitation that Kirby 64 had, where you don't have your infinite float. So that's why it's like uh, put in some more Smash Brothers in my in 2D Kirby. I would like to see that. That'd be my ideal Kirby. The other. Wait, have you? And you said you haven't played any of the two and a half D ones. I haven't played any of the two and a half D ones. Correct. So perhaps yeah, that yeah, may already you exist. Could... You should probably play those. Uh, <laughs> right. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, you asked me my ideal. No, 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 not you, not you. Uh, yourself telling you to play the two and a half D games. I don't necessarily agree that they take after Smash in the way that you might want them. Because while the two and a half D games do have things like the spot dodge and the rolling dodge, like that's in Smash, I think that's about it. It in, in terms of taking yeah, after but- Smash. But I think, well, first of all, they expand on the ability sets. Like, Superstar already has that Smash Brothers idea of uh, command-style attacks, but uh, Return to Dreamland, like, really blows it up to every copy ability has ten different moves or whatever. And then... Um, the fact that you can hold on to copy abilities easier makes it more like selecting a character in Smash. And in fact, in Return to Dreamland, I guess maybe only in the two-player mode, you can select a character. Um, you can play as Meta Knight, DDD, or Spear, Waddle D, all of whom have slightly different ability sets and movement types than Kirby does. Uh, and then the level design in and enemy design in Return to Dreamland puts way more emphasis on like stronger enemies uh, and uh, having more mini boss fights, a wider variety of mini boss fights. Uh, I just think that that one in particular, maybe even more so than like Robobot, definitely feels like it wants the combat to be more the center of attention. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that is that is true. The combat is more emphasized but i would say that what adrian is describing also already exists uh i mean i would also say that what adrian is describing already exists and what he's talking about is the the story mode in super smash bros brawl subspace emissary (laughs) plays very similar to a smash style kirby platformer where combos are the emphasis on trying to defeat enemies that have a lot more health than they usually do in kirby yeah. And in uh, fact, one of the cancelled uh, GameCube Kirby games looks a lot like Subspace Emissary because enemies also seem to be beefier and they react like they like a character in Smash Brothers would instead of just dying instantly. Like you can actually toss them around. Uh, t- like even some mini bosses can be tossed around and not just stand still and take damage or and wind up their own attack that you have to dodge. So I think, as far as 2D goes, I would agree that a, a Kirby game that's more like Smash would be ideal. As far as 3D, then, uh, Forgotten Land is is uh, actually a lot of what I hoped for, so I don't have to go much further than that. Forgotten Land's pretty, <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, I yeah, was that, wanted, that, that's what I wanted. <laughs> that was my next question. Like, to what extent did your ideal... Uh, conform to Forgotten Land's delivery. 
So Blowout Blast was was already like the first thing. Well, because I liked Blowout Blast a lot, and that was already the first thing of just like in order to make a 3D Kirby work, you need to first figure out the whole aspect. One of Kirby's main abilities, which is sucking thing, inhaling things, and then spitting them back out in 3D space, and that's what Blowout Blast did. Now, of course, the copy abilities was the only thing missing from Blowout Blast, so it made sense that once once you figured out. Uh, Kirby's base abilities is just integrating the copy abilities and that's what Forgotten Land did. They actually added in some stuff that I appreciated more than I would expect to and that I was not even anticipating which was uh, some of the role encounter stuff. Yeah. Um, it's funny you said they added stuff while at the same time they also took away some stuff uh, compared to Blow Up Blast uh, because in an inter- I read in an interview that in using Blow Up Blast as a basis for Kirby's basic abilities, they were afraid that the UI that covers up Kirby and tells you where he's aiming um, would break the illusion that you're you're controlling Kirby and not the UI that tells Kirby where to aim uh, to inhale and aim at enemies. So, so they were afraid it would turn into. Kirby's dream course. <laughs> yeah, that's what they were afraid of. Especially with how much more of a dynamic camera um, Forgotten Land has compared to Blow Up Blast. Correct, yeah. It's not always top-down. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Blow Up Blast does does work with um, with less... It's more it's more fixed. And definitely more, more staged to focus primarily on the sucking and blowing part. So... Uh, you two, Adrian and Golem, you're satisfied with, with Forgotten Land in terms of a 3D Kirby game. Yeah. You yes. think that it, it held up its end of the bargain to your idealized vi- uh, vision of Kirby. Yeah. Um, I don't think uh, that's the way for yourself, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. No, he I sounds my, pretty happy with it. I, <laughs> I want my $60 back. Yeah, just... you, can't, you can't call that a 3D game. <laughs> No, I don't. I don't want to rant about like too much because I really would like to rant about it a lot. But I, <laughs> I think I kind of already said in my description of what my ideal Kirby would be, like what I think is missing from Forgotten Land, and I definitely because there are so many Kirby games, and it's been so long since like N64 and when I first wanted a 3D Kirby game, my expectations had plenty of time to build up. Uh, so that when we finally got a 3D Kirby game for it to be basically the most primitive model of 3D possible, like a fixed camera, uh, tile-based, mostly flat geometry, just doesn't cut it for me. <laughs> like... Um, I've played a lot of 3D platformers. It's one of my favorite genres. And um, there is a sort of, there are a few different directions that they can go in. And fixed camera is really like the first model. That's the, that's the Crash Bandicoot style, basically. And that is something that really very much facilitates level design that is effectively two-dimensional. Like, it it is very corridor-style, is how those games tend to be. And uh, you uh, end up not being able to have a lot of verticality, 
because the camera can't point upwards and let you look up uh, to see where you're going if you're moving up. So instead, the camera has to zoom out. And when the camera zooms out in a like fixed angle game, then you're really just introducing a larger 2D playing area. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I, I just... Um, Forgotten Land just did not do that much for me. And also, uh, you know, Forgotten Land is essentially two games uh, mashed together, I think. It's one that is a boss fighting game with a dynamic camera uh, that's more of a, like, target-style camera or a lock-on-style camera. And that's... uh, used pretty much exclusively for the main boss fights, not the mini boss fights, because those stick with the regular camera style. And I really like the dynamic camera parts, the boss fights with like Claraline or I think Claraline's uh, maybe my favorite part, but uh, the DDD fights are good. The uh, Silly Dillo is good. Like all of those, I think, use the 3D space well. Um, uh, and, and then the other game is what I described, the sort of isometric, uh, fixed camera angle game. And it doesn't, it doesn't have room over room. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it kind of does sometimes, but not, yeah, you're right. It usually isn't room over room. It kind of does sometimes. Like, Bomberman Hero has room over room. (laughs) Constantly. Uh, you know, so that's all on my expectations. That's not about how the game executes its own ideas, right? So, like, the game is works in the system that they chose, and I think that we know or suspect that it's using the same engine as the two and a half D games, uh, which are, I'm sure, is not built for a dynamic camera, and that is probably why they had to go with this model because just technically speaking, it probably couldn't do a player control camera. So can I uh, offer like the other half of of that? Yeah, I really want someone to argue with me. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just going to uh, fill in the details that um, what you've described is that it's effectively as three dimensional as Streets of Rage, right? Yeah, like a belt scroller. Yeah, yeah. Well, in Streets of Rage, you can approach your opponent from below or above or from left or from right. And that does so much to complement the interplay in in Forgotten Land. Um, And that, like, in the side-scrolling Kirby games, I feel frustrated fighting enemies just because... um, I really don't think it's tuned well around the contact damage and having that full range of space around enemies. Um, I didn't really see it coming, but I think it does a lot to assuage um, how combat flows. So like the radial nature of Kirby's abilities is something that you can use to like take advantage of the space better. There's that, and there's the fact that, um, you know, you were describing how uh, effectively it's a a 2D plane you're walking around on and you don't jump too much. Well, 
walking around fits a lot better with combat than jumping, I think. Oh, yeah, that... Right, because you're on the same plane as the enemies, and yeah. Kirby also can't float very high, which is kind of like... Uh, what else are you going to do with the camera system that they have? You know, like floating towards the camera indefinitely would be weird. But then, like, he also can't really float any higher than he jumps. So that's why uh, the thing about uh, the float being there as, like, a recovery system um, is extremely true, I think, in Forgotten Land to the point of that's, like, almost the entire function of floating. Like, there's not a lot of situations you can get out of or simplify by floating over stuff. Whereas you want Kazooie. Yeah. Or uh, Wing Cap Mario or, uh, you know, one of the other great 3D movement systems. <laughs> like, I, I want, yeah, I, I want all those things in Kirby because if Kirby's going to be a semi flying character, then like. That opens up so much potential. You can have Kazooie and Superman Mario and Wingcat Mario and just call those all different copy abilities. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So multiple different kinds of wing. Yeah. And again, like this is totally expectations and not on the game itself, but there just aren't enough 3D platformers for me. Uh, oh, it's yeah. something that that totally went out of style after about 2003 and or like 2007 super mario galaxy is kind of the last uh 3d the last forward moving 3d platformer and then the mario games after that kind of work within that same model <laughs> it's funny uh, sorry nah go on it it's funny because i came at it the other way being a sonic fan where like when we finally got Sonic Lost World and Sonic Team was just like, you know what? This camera has been causing us so much trouble. Let's just set it still and not even have to think about it. And it's like, oh my god, what a epiphany that the game is so much better when the camera just sits still. That like, I'm, uh, I guess I'm still in that um, honeymoon phase of Crash Bandicoot style <laughs> cameras. <laughs> That makes sense, and, like, I can't disagree with you at all about Lost World. Lost World works really well. Yeah. I guess I would say to that that it's... The uh, fixed camera is... Actually, what I would argue is, in some ways... Well, you can't obviously make a game where it you change it to suit whatever needs that you're going for, but it's one of the things that I actually think it's more fitting for 3D platforming uh, versus a character jumping forward into the screen... Uh, or even with the the dynamic car- camera, because I'm like, when I think of like what is some of Mario's best 3D platforming, it's actually not. I wouldn't put Mario 64, my favorite 3D Mario platforming, or at least more specifically, it's the the Bowser levels. That's where it's feel like this is fucking 3D Mario because like I'm actually just going through a damn obstacle course and jumping over and around things, and the camera is actually situated in to facilitate that, versus when it's behind your back and you're moving towards the world, which is kind of like the weak spot of 3D, versus, and that's one of the reasons why, like, 3D Land and 3D World are some of my favorite 
3D Mario platformers and almost the most truest in the sense versus the more exploratory kind that you see in prior games. Actually, I would even put uh, Galaxy in that camp as well because that is when they had the more focused go point A to point B, obviously in the 3D sense, uh, approach to their level design. So it even Galaxy went more towards that sort of more obstacle course based 3D level design. Not that they didn't have your more sandboxy, like the Honey Hive Galaxy, of just like, oh, look, this it's a big old playground, and you move around wherever you want. That's one of the reasons why uh, Blowout Blast, like, when you when you just take that simple problem of, like, Kirby sucking something up and spitting it back out, like, already that problem, you try to put the camera behind his back where it can rotate with Kirby in that sort of orbiting style that you see in Mario 64 and Zelda 64. It's like... Boy, that causes a lot of fucking problems. So that's one of the reasons why it makes sense to sort of have the camera independent of Kirby's movement. To just say, here's how we can help you focus on the shooting by not having the camera, like, move move as you're moving at the same time. Because then it makes things a hell of a lot harder to aim. So once they solve that problem in Blowout Blast, that's why it made more sense for me to move in the direction of a Forgotten Land. Not that they couldn't in the future move to something that's more... Uh, I would say, like, Metroid Blast kind of does the... But then it's like, well, what are we going to do? Is Kirby... Because part of Kirby's, like, spit ability is, like, he just spits it straight in front of him. He doesn't aim it necessarily anywhere. So that's that's one where it's just, like, do we have, like, a a Star Fox 64, like, double reticle kind of thing? It's like, how do do we resolve that if you take that more um, dynamic... Dynamic... uh, Dynamic camera where Kirby can look anywhere he wants while also aiming is just like how how hard do we want it locked behind his back um how do we even draw or showcase like where is it going how do we make it so that where kirby is spitting and uh, your ability to interpret it in 3d space does it travel forever does it die off at certain distance you know things like that and then just like the regular like even with zelda it's like they still needed z targeting just to get around the issue of like if you use the default camera from how Link moves around the world, which is the same kind of camera that they use for Mario 64, punching things would be, or sorry, slashing things would be such <laughs> a pain in the ass. Um, and yeah, that's a, yeah. there's a lot My- of advantages to that camera is basically what I'm saying. And that's why I felt more fitting that Kirby would use that camera versus a Mario 64 style. Of course, future Kirby can all, it, I actually forgot like Ken already does where it's like in your like boss setups it's just like now we have the camera that's more in your um, uh, ground level sort of behind Kirby's Kirby back more and focusing a, a on the third boss. person sort of camera yeah <laughs> yeah your third person like over shoulder or over Kirby view and even then yeah and even then it's like you don't like you still don't have um the traditional lock on it's just so, so like it's more like the Yeast Origins boss setup was just like, okay, here's your 3D boss. The camera follows them, but it's not like you're responsible for the Z-targeting or all that. It keeps the focus right. on the it, fight. It's de, f- de facto targeting. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't mention it in my ideal, but like going back to the ideal Kirby game, like my 3D Kirby game would absolutely have aiming projectiles. Like the projectiles if you're inhaling and blowing stars at something would use a system like, uh, I mean, one way to do it would be a lock on system like Zelda or a complementary lock on system where you have a uh, free aim, uh, or a, or, or like an auto corrected aim. I know what it is. It, it would just be like Kid Uprising. God damn it. <laughs> That's what it is. That's exactly what that kind of 3d Kirby would be. 
Except maybe with a couple extra buttons to jump and shit, because that, that you know, that game had to work with uh, a, a analog stick, L button, and then a uh, touchpad, and that was it. But yeah, that's a lot of what you would probably look for. <laughs> well, and the other thing that, you know, is a not something that is easy to do with the present hardware, but I think the Wii Remote Pointer... Uh, would be the perfect solution to how to aim Kirby's uh, attacks without having uh, like uh, camera control issues. Like, mm-hmm. like Yoshi. Yeah, basically. Just have a cursor. Use a cursor. Like, um, or I, you could do it on a, with a mouse, too. There's no immediately obvious way of how to do it uh, without some kind of... Uh, whatever you'd call like a, a, a pointer controller basically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely all the 3d platform or not all the 3d platformers, but a lot of 3d platformers that include some sort of um, projectile based or range type attack have some sort of reticle system. And I think that that would work fine in Kirby too. Yeah. Or, or basically what, I was about to say what Ranger, yeah, kind of what Ranger is too. Except if you didn't have to, um, that's the thing. I kind of like the stop and pop of the way Ranger does it as well. But yeah, Ranger, if you didn't have to hold still to aim. Or you could just have to hold still to aim. That would work too. Or or, or you could lock in a course if it was uh, while you were flying. If you wanted to have an aiming ability, like, I think aiming in 3D space, like, there are a lot of options to choose from of games that have already done it. Um, So I don't think that Kirby would be in a uniquely difficult situation there. Um, As for, like, you know, going back to what you were saying about the Super Mario series, I think you're definitely in the majority there in terms of preferring the, like, Bowser levels in Mario 64 and the... um, Really? Like the 3D Land okay. games. Sorry. Oh, well, those, I think those are kind of everyone's favorite part of Super Mario 64, to be honest. Um, the 3D Land games, uh, even Galaxy 2, I've always said, has really trimmed down on the amount of like free 3D space you have to work with and is more of a corridor-style game. Um the thing that Galaxy does, I mean, this is totally irrelevant, but the thing that Galaxy does is it, it's, and this is where it comes down to not just the camera system, but the level design that is usually predicated upon the, the camera system that doesn't necessarily have to be, is that Galaxy has non-planar level design. Like, mm-hmm. it has uh, not only non-planar level design, but non-planar gravity. So, <clears throat> that is working at... Uh, like a totally higher level, uh, regardless of how it pushes you through the stages. Uh, it's like the most 3d game you could possibly ask for. Uh, and and I don't expect everything to operate in that mode. And I think it'd be pretty weird if everything tried to, uh, but the, uh, like a more, varied style of levels like a taller taller levels um i think are just uncommon in the fixed camera angle 
style of 3D platformer. Yeah, there's like only one or two tall levels in, in Forgotten Land that I can think of. There's the, yeah, the, um, I mean, there's certain sections where you have those tall... They're just going up. Yeah. There's prop. That's, uh, Butter Building is like notably a 3D set piece on an NES game, but there's no Butter Building in this game, is there? I don't really count that as 3D. That's just like an, oh, like a auto scroller you can go at your own pace <laughs> <laughs> well they don't call it butter building but in one of the uh levels towards the end there's definitely a tall building that you work your way around and up yeah that's what i was thinking of uh but the other thing about that type of 3d platformer and this connects to what i said about kirby floating is that in super mario 64 like there's a bunch of different jump types that are variable height and that is a lot of like, how do I jump high enough to get across this gap or get up this building or whatever? That's where like wall kicking became a big thing. That type of stuff has been totally abandoned by 3D platformers. No one even tries to do that anymore. It's like either you have a fixed jump height or you just have, no, it's pretty much just you have a fixed jump height, which is, I don't know. I think it leaves a lot on the table. Yeah, I can. Um, no, so there, there you you share a a gripe that I have where the fixed jump height type of fixed jump heights. Yeah, yeah. Where in for three platforms especially is like yeah, I probably I, I don't know why you would make that decision. I think the other one is also just like the amount of double jumps um, that I keep. Well, yeah. That's what everything has is just double jumps by default. <laughs> yeah, and I, while I do respect some of the way that the world was laid out and like the fact how they carve out the space is really interesting jack and daxter is the one that i think of the most of just like man you couldn't make your jump more stumpier could you (laughs) yeah well to give a deep cut i guess i think maximo ghost to glory is a game that takes 2d action platforming and puts it in a like third person cameras uh, basically third person camera and i couldn't I, I i couldn't and i don't want to try to enumerate everything that that game does but like i think maximo ghost to glory would be the model in which i would make a 3d kirby game that's mm. interesting because um i have played maximo ghost to glory that is um that's actually a f- I need to play that game more. The problem that I have with that game, which I didn't get far, is because it's one of those goddamn blue disc PS2 games, and my disc reader and my PlayStation 2 is so old that it can't spin it fast enough to read the damn game. So I have to like hold it sideways yeah. so gravity can help spin the disc so it can read. <laughs> so yeah, so my ideal Kirby game would not be on a blue PlayStation disc. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Goddamn. It's, it's one of those games where you have your brother standing over the PS2 spinning the disc for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that game has a ranged attack. It has the a shield throw, and it does sort of what I said, where there's like a limited angle lock-on, where if you're facing a, close enough to the right direction, the uh, shield will correct to a target. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Kirby Star Spit also does that. Like, it'll home in on enemies, especially if you shoot from far away. I, yeah, yeah. I feel a little confident in saying that, yeah, I'm pretty sure I do see uh, 
there's a homing property to the the star spit. Yeah, I didn't think that there was a lot of so. 3D, we talked about blowout blast being built around like the uh, inhale and uh, spit mechanic. And I could have used more sections in, I mean, maybe this is just down to play style where I could have played the whole game by not using any copy abilities. Maybe I should try that. I'm doing that but, right now. Like literally yeah. right now. <laughs> you, you, are, you would actually be very surprised at the bosses you can take on. That's why I'm like, I'm, I, I really like this game because, like, wow, Kirby's, they really made it work with Kirby's default abilities, and you can take on Chaos Elphilus with them, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely the first boss, uh, whatever his name is, Gorilla. Gorimondo. Gorimondo. Yeah, Gorilla. <laughs> um, I found him, like, the until you had some of the later like upgraded copy abilities i thought he was easier to fight without a copy ability just because you can do a lot of damage by absorbing those stars and you don't need to get close to him to attack him that way Mm -hmm. yeah one of the things that i still like though is that um even though there is that slight homing you still have to effectively aim with the star spit so it's not it's not super free you're not going to see it like do a 90 degree curve just to hit your target or anything that ridiculous. Yeah, you also make an effort yeah. you have to be in the general direction. Yeah. I think that um, part of what makes that work, you were talking about like, uh, would you have to hold in place to aim something? So like uh, Forgotten Land has a middle ground where you can move while you have uh, eaten an enemy, but you move a lot sl- more slowly. So you can aim without moving you can aim and move Kirby around without moving him a ton. Hmm. Actually, it's funny you say that, because in Blowout Blast, if you want to aim precisely with Kirby, you can't move. You'll lock in place, and then Kirby will spin around until you yeah, select your desired direction. He, he's got that contra-stationary aim button. Yeah, I think the slowed down movement allows you to be just a little bit more precise than if you have to stop to aim. Mm-hmm. It's, this is also where uh, a little bit of the camera again, where having the camera like not behind Kirby's back allows you to make those more line shots, but also allows those setups where enemies just completely surround you. Like it play out very differently. Like say in some of the treasure roads, like the ones where it's just like enemies spawn in all around kind of like in a uh, well enemies spawn in all around and you just need to whack the shit out of them with ddd's hammer the ddd mask one and i'm like yeah imagine if the camera was behind you couldn't even see half those bastards <laughs> spawning in but that's also the one where it's where it's interesting because it takes use of how you use the control stick to aim your attacks in that space as well and that's another thing that i liked and the fact that it's also easier to to gauge the um fuck I forgot what I was gonna say. Never mind. <laughs> well, um, the treasure roads though are a good example of the Super Mario sixty four Bowser stage type design. And if the whole game had been treasure roads, I would have been satisfied. Like those are like a really good use of if you're going to have a fixed angle camera, like you're going to have Carter style stages, then just 
densely put obstacles and uh, enemies spaced out in such a way that they are like individual challenges uh, clearly concatenated. Whereas the main stages have like this sort of meandering nature to them uh, where a lot of times you can leave the path, but to, for no real reason uh, that sort of throws off the timing of them. Whereas like there's a really tight rhythm to the treasure road stages um, mm -hmm. that makes them work really well. Yeah. The main stages still have to balance the fact that Kirby is still a platformer where the main goal is moving through the level from point A to point B, along with the, you know, the optional challenges you have along the way and your secrets. Um, and that's, this is one of the reasons why I'm glad the treasure roads exist because, but obviously that can't be the way the main levels work, or at least not always. Cause then it's just like, like hyper focused on the, on the combat. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. I, I still want my jumps. <laughs> I still want my jumping platforming stuff. Like what the, do you mean? The treasure roads aren't hyper-focused on combat. Play like yeah, the needle there, there one. there are definitely a lot of platforming in treasure roads. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, 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 the difference needle... is that it's it's time attack and you're not doing missions. Right, no. But, I mean, I, 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 I that's why I specifically use the, the DDD example as one. But I still want my, um, like, section, like, even in the, in that kind of setup... I don't know how well it would work in something like, say, the Tilting Towers in uh, World 4, the Ice World. Um, all of those, those, like, sometimes you just need just, like, one enemy just, like, throwing snowballs on, things like that. You don't need, like, a whole ambush of just, like, eight enemies spawn in and coming after you, and then a second wave spawns in and comes after you. Yeah, the, no, the wave-based combat is not what I mean. Like, those, those parts aren't... I don't really even like the... That that final treasure road that you're talking about with the uh, mask hammer, I don't particularly care for that one or any of the other ones that are just arena combat. But the majority of them are not that. Most of them are just like time. Well, they're all time trials, but the majority of them don't stop and load things in. Or if they do, it's more like a uh, puzzle type setup where it's like a single screen puzzle game, sort of like low, low. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, which I like that also. I mean, that, that is just another thing to say that. What I, actually, hmm, never mind. Some of those treasure road. Well, that's the thing. I was, the thing is, like, some of those tre the, the challenges you see in the treasure roads are things you see in the main game, or at least in some of the the optional optional areas. And the one that I'm thinking of is, like, even as early as in the second level, and I made, like, a dis even in the second level, where there's those, like, vertically moving platforms in, like, that, uh, that tunnel that you go through. It's literally the second level in the game, where as you jump on one platform... Like three wolfies spawn in while there's still like while there's a hothead right in front of you, and uh, basically, I guess if you want more hardcore versions of that, then I, I can see your point. But all right, some of that is kind of in the game. It's just not at the difficulty that you would see in the treasure roads. Probably, I think yourself's point is more just towards the density, right? That the the width of the path is lesser in the uh, treasure roads. Yeah, I think it plays into, like, if you're going to have a fixed camera system, you don't need large areas, like, because you're already, 
like the camera is on a rail, therefore the level is on a rail, therefore just design the level as a rail, which is what the treasure roads do. <clears throat> Yeah. Um, Adrian, I think what you want is just a space to explore and not uh, have to go to one challenge after another. That's what the treasure roads offer. They're very densely packed. There's one, they're, they're one challenge after another, and, and you get a good score. Uh, I mean, you get a good time after the, um, after the fact. Whereas normal levels, you have missions to do in them. So that's where... Uh, a more spread out level design will benefit the explorative nature of that. Can we do um, another co- podcast where we talk about more about this subject of like the exploratory nature of the levels? Oh yeah, we're definitely going to do that. Yeah. All right. So I guess to wrap things up, um, I'll go over my ideal Kirby game and which is that, I feel like I'm stuck in the middle between what Golem, about how Golem and Adrian are satisfied with Forgotten Land, but I still crave that uh, wide-open experience where Kirby can just go anywhere he wants with a copy ability that yourself is, has been describing. Because while I do want uh, an open, continuous world to explore with Kirby, I still would like it to be a fixed camera angle because I'm not really that thrilled about controlling a camera while doing all the things that Kirby can do. Like, I agree with Adrian in terms of just how much a fixed camera really benefits a, um, a skill set that Kirby has. And I also like the cinematic nature of just bosses, uh, of the camera following a boss and Kirby fighting, fighting that boss. So it's like, I'm not stuck behind seeing Kirby's uh, back. Sometimes I get to see the front of him, like, wail on a boss, and I find that very satisfying. So I think that if you apply that to level design, where instead of following Kirby from behind uh, with a a controlled camera, a dynamic fixed camera could help follow a set piece as Kirby is uh, exploring or um, interacting with the level. So Kirby can still look dynamic and cool while... uh, you don't have to control the camera. That's sort of what Super Mario 64 is, like the landscape camera. Yeah. So I wish the levels in Forgotten Land weren't so linear, I guess is what I'm saying. I mean, I wish I wasn't shunted off at each turn I take. Um, I think if the levels folded in on themselves and I could just explore to my heart's content, kind of like a level in Doom, really, I... Like, that's really what I wish the levels in Forgotten Land were like. But they were like Doom maps. Um, I think that would be my ideal. So, Doom far Kirby. As what, Doobie. Yeah, basically, Doom Kirby. Um, I was going to say something else. No, I think that's it. I guess try to limit the amount of, like, just arbitrary barriers there are. Like, I don't, I'm not really a fan of invisible walls. Um, I'm also not that big of a fan of uh, Bottomless Pits, just that those, I think, make exploration a little bit tedious because I'm not really sure where to go if I want to explore. I think I sh- if I go in a direction, I should keep going until something realistically blocks me off, like a wall, like a straight-up wall that goes 
much higher than the camera can follow. Not a, a waist-high fence that Kirby can easily fly over. You want to be able to trust your eyes. Right. So I guess that's my ideal Kirby game. Cool. Mm. All right. Uh, so I guess that's it. Thanks you all for joining me. Um, I really enjoyed talking about Kirby with you all. It's my favorite series. Thanks for hosting. <laughs> Thanks for having us. That's fun. Yep. Yeah.